Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Championship weekend has arrived, and we've got an AFC and an NFC championship title preview for you here on Tape Heads. Bob Wachusen uh, here with Scott Pioli and Dan Orlovsky as we have enjoyed crawling inside the game, behind the X's and O's, and trying to give you a different view of football than you get on other podcasts. We've done it all season long, and guys, we have now reached the Final Four. And we had an epic group of games to talk about last week, and... You know, on paper, at least, I would think these two games have a chance to be almost, if not every bit as compelling as some of the football we saw this past week. We're going to start with the AFC game, and that is Bengals-Chiefs. We saw the Josh Allen-Patrick Mahomes duel. We talked a lot about Joe Burrow last week and how incredible he has been in the face of almost constant pressure. Now we get Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes in this matchup. And I'm, I'm wondering... Is there something schematic that jumps out to you guys outside of just the two big names? Obviously, these two guys are going to go out there and make plays. But is there a schematic advantage that one of these teams has over the other that people may not be talking about? Because a lot of times it is in that, right? The devil can be in the details in a matchup like this. you got two quarterbacks that are so immensely talented. One team might have to beat the other in the chess match. Is there a chess match move out there that we're not thinking about? Well, I think that for Kansas City's offense... You know, playing against Cincinnati's defense, you've got opportunities to be very explosive on the perimeter. Um, specifically the way that we saw Tyreek play from this last weekend, you are going to get a lot of single high coverage. That's who Cincinnati is, and it's going to be very similar on the other side of the football. That's who Cincinnati is. So I think, you know, Kansas City has the chance to take some shots downfield. Now... I also think that Cincinnati defensively has some schematic advantages with getting single protections by the tackles of Kansas City's offense versus Cincinnati's defensive ends. 
you know, Hubbard and Hendrickson are really good players. Obviously, Trey Hendrickson is very, very good. And the last time these two teams played, what happened really in the second half, Bob, was Cincinnati actually flipped a little bit and decided, okay, we're playing two-man, and we're just what we're going to do is pre-snap, get Trey one-on-one, and Trey beat the doors off of Orlando Brown in protection. Beat the doors off He did. Off him. He did. That. So they, they had protection but, you know, simulated pressure and got one-on-one. So I think that's a little bit of a schematic vantage for Cincinnati defensively is how often they could do that. Um, and that's going to come down to, you know, their, their, their corners, Eli Apple, and mm. I don't know, I don't know the correct pronunciation. Uzier, I believe, winning their one-on-one. I think you nailed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, winning their one-on-one battle. Sometimes I get, I get cautious with names. Winning their one-on-ones on the outside. <laughs> uh, and then I'd say for, for Cincinnati's offense, good luck, Kansas City defensively. I mean, just, you know, the skim- the more you can spread them and shred them, I think is better for Cincinnati. You know, I mean, hey, Jamar is going to be on this side. And, you know, um, Tyler Boyd's going to be in the slot opposite him and then T on the other side. And, you know, I think we saw a little bit that, you know, Mike Hughes, the corner for Kansas City is, is a good player, but you can get after him, you feel like, if you got a good guy. And so, you know, how much are those guys schematically going to match up and say, hey, you know, Spags, you guys know Steve Spags, no defense coordinator, he's single high. We're going to come after you and play single high. Okay. Um, I, you know, like, I get it. That's who you are. But you do that. It's night-night. So I think there's some stuff that they can go after for sure. Yeah. And I'm going to stick with where you're at right now, Dan. And to me, the the big concern is we talked about it on Tuesday, or I certainly talked about it on Tuesday, was protecting Joe Burrow. Regardless of the scheme, the mismatch, I think, physically between the players, right? Not just the X's and O's. It's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And... Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram are lining up and they know that they're going to go. I bet you their goal this week is to get more than the nine sacks that the Tennessee Titans had last week. They are saying, mm-hmm. okay, we're going double digits. I, I can see Spags right now. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, Spags right now is, is making that a point. Um, and they are going to be coming after him. And no I'm doubt. concerned, you know, we talk about this bright future. This is where I get concerned about the future of some of our NFL superstars. And I, I worry about Joe Burrow. You know, they made the right decision in getting Jabbar Chase, but they still haven't fixed the protection enough. They've done some things to allow him to get the ball off, but he's still getting beat up. And, you know, I think another a key player this week, I talked about Jones, Clark, and Ingram, but the chief secondary, where is Tyron Matthew going to be this weekend? Yeah, you know, huge. Coming out of concussion protocol, we don't know where he's going to be. So I, I say all that to, to say what the Bengals, I think, need to focus on a little bit is the use, again, of Joe Mixon, getting the ball in his hands, short, sideways, you know, getting him in space. But to me, one of the unsung heroes... Of, of their team this year and that has helped save Joe Burrow is CJ Uzama, the tight end. And, you know, he had 49 catches this year in the regular season, and it was uh, more than half of those catches were either first down for first downs or touchdowns. He was a key player. This mm-hmm. past weekend, he had some key catches. They didn't have, you know, the first downs of the touchdowns, but he was used well. He has become for Joe Burrow, a very, very important part. Now, do they need to get deep and get downfield? Yeah, they do. But before they can figure this out, they're going to have to make use of some of the short and underneath stuff and the intermediate stuff, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, Joe Burrow actually had this to say 
after the win heading into this past week, heading into this matchup with the Chiefs. And he has every confidence in the world that his team can go out there and pull this off. And we're a really, really good team. We're here to, we're here to make noise. And you know, teams are going to have to pay attention to us. We're, like I said, a really good team with really good players and coaches. And we're, we're coming for it all. So he obviously has confidence that his team collectively can go out there and get this done. But you guys mentioned the pass rush. So you, you talk about that chess move. If I were to counter, is there anything from Zach Taylor's standpoint? Do, he, do you alter anything? Is there, does there ever come a time in this postseason where you say, we have all these weapons, and I want all these weapons on the field because that's when we're at our best? Or... Does there ever come a time where you say, you know what, I cannot continue to have my quarterback get pounded and hit like this and expect to survive all the way through what is the ultimate goal of winning the Super Bowl? Do you have to take a weapon off the field just to have extra protection out there once in a while for him, thinking you might be able to go win a matchup, but I might have to have an extra tight end on the field, an extra offensive lineman on the field, just to make sure that my quarterback doesn't continue Evans, no. to take this pounding? <laughs> nope, nope. That's how you're built. You get and and you're really that two ship weeks, sailed. <laughs> yeah, you're, yep. You're three weeks away from the end goal, and you're really one week away from a solid break here. You know, you get some time. Not like I have any yep. idea what two weeks off with the Super Bowl is, but you know, there the time is on your <laughs> side. I think it's more this, Bob. It's more a conversation you have with Joe. You know, if of constantly reiterating to him, hey, bud, like there's going to be moments where I need you to be smart here. I, I need you to understand that. You know, we talked about him kind of holding on to the football because he's not trying to be careless with it. There's going to be some moments where you go, specifically early on in a game, don't take that shot. Let, let's not take any unnecessary shots. You know, there's there's moments, you know, the, the, the saying there's a season for everything where there's a moment for everything as well. So I think it's more just controlling the conversation with Joe. Listen, there are times where you got to stand in there and you got to make it and you got to take it. You just got to make that throw and you're just going to get beat up. And I think there's games that quarterbacks go into knowing that 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 is a reality. Um, but I don't believe that this is a game somewhat like that, Bob. And my reason for saying that is this. You know, you always are ready for whatever a defense is going to do to you. But if if you're going into this game just as what, what has transpired, you know, the first time these teams played and who they are, you're thinking, all right, we're going to get just a lot of one-on-ones. We're going to get a lot of single coverage. So everybody at listening understands, like, when, when it's single coverage, it becomes I'm 10 years old at recess. Where's my guy? And, who, who, you know, like, my guy better than your guy. Where's the kid who is better than everybody? I'm just going to throw him the ball. And when even I was Joe 10, I was grabbing it, an extra lunch at, at recess. <laughs> I mean, that's just how I rolled. And even Joe has said it, right? Like, hey, Jamar's down there. So you, that's not a situation where you're thinking, I got to hold on to the football here long and it's zone coverage and I got to figure out and move people. And um, so, But I think it's more you got to be who you are and you got to threaten the defense and play on the offensive. And it's just controlling that conversation with Joe Burrow. Yeah, and, and you know, to that point, or if there's a – I don't think it's a personnel tweak that you make. But maybe, as we talked about on Tuesday, getting him outside of that rigid pocket where he doesn't have a chance to throw the ball away is maybe get him on the edges. I'm not saying sprint or roll out or boot. Maybe a little bit of that, but something to get him in position where he can throw it away, Dan. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Well, well let's, let's spin this around then to the Chiefs because what we have seen, I think a couple of questions that we've had during this season about their offense – have been answered a bit. Patrick Mahomes still seems to me like he's running for his life a lot more than he has certainly in years past. 
but he also seems to now have the supporting cast guys outside of Kelsey and Hill playing more of a role and being more productive than they were middle of the season, right? I mean, wasn't that the big question when that offense was sputtering and we were wondering, are the Chiefs ever going to become the Chiefs again? It was Hardman and Pringle and Robinson and Edwards Hilaire. Are these guys going to show up or the rest of this year, is it just going to be whatever Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey can give Patrick Mahomes? Is he getting enough out of the secondary skill guys and running for his life enough that this can still be? the Chiefs offense that we've known, or at some point are they potentially going to uh, t- to fall short here, you know, because of some of those questions we asked during the year? Well, Bob, here, here's what I'll put. It, it, it wasn't just the players that he, that were, that were absent or weren't making things happen. I, I just feel at the beginning of the season, he was sloppy. We talked about that 100%. at the beginning of the year and he was sloppy with his throws. Again, I don't want to say he was smelling himself, but it was almost like those great plays, even some of those throws he made the last two weeks, um, they were, again, I, th- th- this is not the right way, but they were more sound <laughs> than they were at the beginning of the year. Yeah. They were sloppier at the beginning of the year. They're almost um, a caricature of, of of when he made those plays. He's far less careless with the ball than he was at the beginning of the year. You look at those first seven games when they started out three and four, they had 17 turnovers. They hadn't had 17 turnovers in full seasons in 20, in 2020 and 2019. They were turning the ball over at a historical rate. And that's what the problem was. It was, it's part, it, it was, yes, Bob, it's, it's what you were saying. In addition to that, it was the quarterback's carelessness. And part of it, I, he, he, he didn't seem as dialed in early in the season as he is now. And this is one of the things that the Chiefs have to be careful about moving forward. They are so darn good. They're so talented as a team. They're so well coached. It gets to some people, it gets Boring, and that's what it, it almost looked to me like. They were a team that was a little bored because they felt like, ah, okay, when we kick it in overdrive, we can go, and they weren't able to do that at the beginning of the season. They are on right now, and again, Tyreek Hill for a player who has his explosiveness, you know, you don't generally see that improve over the season. It's improving. Kelsey, yeah. he's showing up. So again, to me, it goes back to one thing, and that was turnovers and carelessness at the beginning of the year. That's different now. Yeah, I can't reiterate my agreement with that enough. I think that this past weekend was Patrick's best game in the pocket when it came to those mechanics, when it came to his feet, when it came to the timing of plays, and then outside of the pocket, his decision-making. That goes back to what we did not see in October, which was he was mechanically so spread out and mechanically so off-balance and mechanically trying to throw everything outrageously um, off platform when it wasn't needed. And then when he was outside the pocket, he was, he was making poor decisions with the football and, you know, he is very much so. And, and I would imagine focused on that and clean that up. And, you know, Bob, I actually think their offensive line has done a pretty nice job. I really do. I think their tackles are still, you can get after them. You know, obviously this weekend I just talked about with Hendrickson and, and Hubbard, but I think their interior three are pretty darn good. And, um, I look at Patrick, whenever I watch Patrick play, I just watch how deep he gets with his drops, and that tells me if he's trusting that group or not. And he hasn't been, you know, really getting past that 10-yard, 9.5, 10-yard marker, and that's telling me that he thinks that those guys are doing a good job in protection. And so um, there's – I think that – 
you know, that's going to be another huge part for this game is Cincinnati's rush. And I said this this past week, and I don't think Buffalo did a good job with it. It's not just keeping him in the pocket. You, you can't keep him in the pocket and give him somewhere to get to in the pocket. And it's not just making him move off a spot. It's making him move off the spot and not giving him a place to go. Right. And that's the challenge. You know, he had, he had 70 yards rushing against the Bills. That's career high. And I think if Cincinnati wants to win, that's got to be another focus point for them. Yeah, and watching him, even when it appears he doesn't have a place to go, all of a sudden he comes up with an arm angle where you're like, wow. Like, you did have a place to go, didn't you? It was like Ozzie Smith, uh, you know, turning oh, a double play. Wizard and, of Oz. Yes, and, and, and playing quarterback. It's, it's just amazing to watch. It's going to be a fascinating matchup. Burrow and Mahomes, it's another young, you know, entering, if not dead in the prime of their career, marquee AFC quarterback matchup. Can't wait to watch it. Very interesting game, the late game as well. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Niners, Rams, Jimmy G., and the Niners against Matthew Stafford and the Rams. Can the Rams finally get past that Niners hurdle? They have a chance to get to the Super Bowl, and we'll talk about the NFC Championship game in a moment on Tape Bets. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at tmobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Covino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. We are back on tape heads. Bob Oshuz and Scott Pioli, Dan Orlovsky. Let's move to the NFC Championship game. 
And to me, Scott, the fascinating thing here is the Rams have an opportunity to make what they've done pay off. Right. It's it's funny because when and I live in this Jets world, where we always seem to be looking forward to the draft. Who's coming next in the draft? We've got these great draft choices. And yes, you do have to build the core of your team through the draft. I get that. But there always also are these moments at times, it seems, for championship teams where general managers sitting in your chair have to sit there and say, all right, have we done everything we can do to build this young core? What's missing now we've got a chance to swing for the fences, right? Now we have a chance to say, like, what's the goal here? Yeah. Was the goal to just constantly build for the future, constantly to look down the road? Or is the goal to get to the point where, hey, we've got a team that actually is good enough to go do this. Let's throw a bunch of first-round draft choices out there and get rid of the quarterback we had in Jared Goff, who got us to a Super Bowl, but we weren't able to win it. Let's go get the guy that we think can win it for us. Let's roll the dice and give up a bunch of resources to get Von Miller. And they've done that, right? And now the Rams have a chance to make that pay off. That, that has to be the ultimate, you know, as a general manager sitting up there in the press box knowing, I've done all I can to put the team together. <laughs> now we just got to go see if they could do it. But the Rams have a chance to now have these decisions pay off and actually swing for the fences and hit a home run. Yeah, this, this, I would love to have a whole half-hour show on this because I was asked, did they get what they wanted out of Matthew Stafford? Was this trade worth it? And to me, yes, this weekend was worth it. But what they're looking for is not a win. As you mentioned, you know, they've been to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. What they need to do, they, they need the whole enchilada. For all that they've done with this football team and the capital that they've given up in terms of cash, cap room, and draft picks, this isn't about getting to the NFC Championship game. This isn't about one super, uh, you know, getting to the Super Bowl. It's about winning the Super Bowl because truly, in my opinion, with all that they've given up for the future, they need to win the Super Bowl. And Correct. that's not to put pressure on Matthew or anybody else. But again, they've been here before. And it's not just the Matthew Stafford trade in a vacuum, right? You, we, we can't look at it as that. It was, it's Von Miller. It's Jalen Ramsey. It's all the stuff that they've done. Was it seven years without a first round pick? And I understand you can be wrong with the first round pick, but you need picks for opportunity to be right. And one thing we've learned in the NFL is you can't consistently build a team through free agency exclusively. At some point in time, you're going to have to draft well and draft good players in order to keep your salary cap in balance because at some point in time, you know, the bill comes due. And, you know, th this idea and this concept of you're one player away, I've always struggled with it because very early in my NFL career, quick story here, you know, I was with the Cleveland Browns when we um, went to the playoffs and we lost three times that year to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in the playoff game against the Steelers in Pittsburgh, we started this game and Vinny Testoverde was our quarterback. He was having a good year. And we had two drops, uh, check three drops on three pass plays. And it was Michael Jackson was one of the receivers and Derek Alexander. And afterwards, you know, we lost the playoff game. It was a week after we had beat the Patriots in the wild card round. And the talk was, gosh, we need an elite receiver and we're one player away. And this belief was that we were one player away. And what did we do in the offseason? Mm. We went out and made Andre Rise the highest paid wide receiver in National Football League history. 
And I think sometimes what happens is when you have that mentality of that you are one anything away from anything in life and in business, you you have to rethink how you've built the whole thing. And I, you know, to me, this wasn't just about Matthew Stafford. It wasn't just about Von Miller. It's this accumulation of things. And again, uh, I have to reiterate, they have given up significant capital to get there. And at some point in time, the bill's going to come due. There's only so much that you can kick things down the road in terms of cap room, cap space, and cash availability. And or, quite honestly, there's this whole other thing of managing expectations. You can't keep tricking your fans into believing that, oh, this is the one. Oh, you know, you go out and you sell a bunch of Matthew Stafford jerseys. and oh. No, they want wins. And more than wins, they want championships. So, uh, again, forgive me for being long-winded on this, but this is this is a conversation we can have. Uh, you know, maybe we do this in the off-season, guys. But it's it, <laughs> it, but it's an important part about what we're getting ready to see this weekend. They have to win, guys. I mean, it's kind of fascinating to see if it pays off. I mean, and you referenced finally, Scott. Like they got to beat a team they haven't done in six times to kind of have it pay off. I mean, they have not beat San Francisco in six straight matches. I mean, Sean McVay, who's one of the best coaches in football, hasn't beat San Francisco since 2018. That's that's insane. You know, this is a team that three weeks ago had a 17-0 lead at home against San Francisco. I promise you, I promise you, they didn't want to see San Francisco in the playoffs. They don't want them to get in. You know, as much as, you know, you wanted them to get in because you felt they were the team to knock off Green Bay and then you don't have to go there because you're the two seed. You don't want them in because you know how good they are. I think the challenge for the the Rams this weekend is starts there, is the mental hurdle, is the we can yeah. beat them hurdle, you know, from the head coach down because this is still a little bit like the game for Green Bay last week. This is still a little bit teacher versus mentor, so to speak. You know, a lot of what Sean McVay learned, yep. he learned under the Shanahan's and Kyle Shanahan, and he's got to jump that hurdle. I think the challenge for them is they are going like it's it's very s- simplistic defensively for the Rams. You are going to have to stop the toss. Like this is 40 years ago. We are going to toss the ball to the perimeter and you're going to have to set edges and you're going to have to run down the line of scrimmage and your back end is going to have to come put your face mask on people. And Kyle is going to make guys do that. And it's not going to be Jalen Ramsey. He's going to do it away from Jalen Ramsey because he knows Jalen's willing. And so that's going to be just a, okay, here comes four quarters of this and we got to be ready for it. They're going to have to physically match George Kittle and, and Debo Samuel defensively. You're going to have to physically do that. And then they're going to have to give the opportunity. Because I think this, if Trent Williams does not play because of that ankle, there is the chance that this game looks a lot like it did for the first three quarters against Tampa Bay. The way Vaughn Miller is playing and the way 99 is playing and the way Leonard Floyd is playing, if this becomes a situation where it is second and eight, third and six plus, good night. And I think the Rams will have to be very smart with, you know, I kind of phrase it as you got to pack the paint. You got to dare Jimmy Garoppolo for four quarters to throw the ball outside the numbers. You have to. And it's the way that you, like, if just speaking from an offensive perspective, it's the way that you position yourselves on the outside of receivers and muddy the middle of the field in regards to that. And I think if they do that, they got a chance to play well defensively. And then offensively for the Rams, their offensive line has to have the best game of the season. It just does. 
San Francisco is where they are right now because the way their front is playing. Their front is playing so explosive off the football, and that is allowing their coverage to just be so cloudy and muddy. And I don't know if it's well, – if is it cover three? Is it cover four? Is it three cloud or is it four? Is it six? Is it two? You're just constantly cloudy for a quarterback. And so that, it, it, this will be a line of scrimmage football game. You know, one thought that I've had about this game too is – it's not who's going to win this game, but who's not going to lose this game. Again, you go back to the Rams last game. They almost gave that game away. They almost made so many mistakes. And I'm not saying Matthew Stafford. I'm talking about their team almost found a way to lose that game and give that game away to Tom Brady. Then on the flip side, the Niners are a team that generally preys upon um, mistake football like that. And it's one of the ways that I feel that Kyle is so much like Bill Belichick, that he waits for teams to make mistakes. But on the Niners' side of the ball, they've got to make sure that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't lose the game. There's there's capability on both football teams where they could lose the game rather than the other team win it, if that makes sense. Yeah, the, the quarterback situation to me is fascinating. It always is. But talking about the Rams, how they've built their team, they had Jared Goff on the team, got to a Super Bowl, and said, you know what, we're sending the message loud and clear, Jared. We don't believe that you're that guy. We have to go trade for that guy, the guy we think is that guy. And they bring in Matthew Stafford, and they might be right. Jimmy Garoppolo got to a Super Bowl at one point with this team. And this past offseason, they sent the message loud and clear. Jimmy, we don't think you're that guy. We just don't think you're that good. We're going to go draft your replacement. And Jimmy Garoppolo's still here. This is like having Jared Goff still on the team with Matthew Stafford and still being the quarterback, yeah. right? It's amazing because, I mean, you like you're, well, but your, your replacement's right over yeah. there waiting to take your job, and yet you've got your team one step away from the Super Bowl. It's amazing. You, you know what's crazy about that situation, though? Because your point is 100% accurate, and I have two thoughts on it. Jimmy obviously has have had to handle this situation phenomenally well. Uh, just from a a mindset, a leadership, a lack of ego, just a, yeah. a, a we before me. He's got to, behind closed doors, have handled it incredibly well. Because one of the things that I took out of the, the Ram-Bucks game, how you always want to see how a team is getting after Tom Brady, how much they are rushing him, how many people they're bringing. And it always seems like teams that were able to beat Tom Brady could get home with four. They never brought more than five, but they also never brought three. Right, So what did they do with this offensive line and Jimmy Garoppolo this week? Is this a game where they blitz him at times? Is this a game where you just trust that the four, sometimes five, can get home on their own? I mean, you mentioned the personnel they've got up front, the Rams. They were able to do that to Tom Brady this past week. Is that where this game is won and lost? Yeah, they're not going to come after Jimmy G. It's just not who they are. You know, I think that... They may not need to. Yeah. Right, that's exactly right. Williams is a huge piece to this. Again, this game feels very narrative-like leading up to it the way I felt about Tampa Bay last week. I felt, and I told everyone, like, yo, if Trent Wirfs doesn't play or Tristan Wirfs doesn't play, this game's a blowout. And it was for those three quarters until the Rams started to, you know, drive me nuts. And I, (laughs) because Compton, the right tackle for San Francisco got beat up this past weekend and by Green Bay's defense. And I think if you're going into this game with those two tackles, you're saying, uh-oh. I do not think that they're going to pressure this team. Listen, uh, Les Snead, the general manager for, for the, the Los Angeles Rams, did not go get Vaughn so he could pressure more. He got Vaughn so he, right. he could pressure less. 
Now, the thing right. that they have done a little bit, Bob, that I think is, to your point a little bit, is Troy Reader, number 51, their linebacker, they really pressured him in some of their zone blitzes last week a lot. Now, I don't know if that, that was, the, was sack, uh, the The almost sack in the wild card game, right? Correct. The, so the past the, couple the weeks, six. they've started to do it a little bit more, Scott. And I don't know if it's... Now, it's, there's a difference between a dog and a blitz. A dog is when you bring, bring five guys. A blitz is when you bring six in pressure. So they've started to dog him a little bit more where they, they pressure him or blitz him, as, use him as the blitzer, and then they drop people from the line of scrimmage. And I don't know if that's something that they've wanted to get more of or they're saying, we don't love this guy in, in pass coverage. Let's use him to try to get him in a one-on-one pass rush situation, help the rush a little bit for those other guys while also not kind of exposing the numbers of our coverage on the back end. Be fascinating to watch. Can't wait because the next time we are talking here on Tape Heads, we're going to have a Super Bowl matchup to talk about. We are back next week. We'll be looking at these games and we'll be looking forward to the big one. Please download and subscribe. Hit us up on social media and be sure to join us on Tuesday when we drop our next episode of Tape Heads. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.